0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Broke Down Podcast. My name is Jonathan. I'm your host, and this is episode 120. The Broke Down Podcast is a founding community podcast with Osiris. Osiris Media is making great things about the things that you love. My friends over at No Simple Road just dropped an interview with a couple of other friends of mine, Caten and Scott from The Jaunty, one of my favorite jam bands on the scene. The jaunty have a new album, and they talk about that and so much more with Aaron, Mel, and Apple on one of my favorite podcasts on the scene. So go find it all and more at OsirisPod.com. This episode has some a bunch of stuff, so I'm going to dive right in. My guest is Aaron Fader, and he joins me all the way from Barcelona, Spain, to discuss his group Afro Dead and his work with Sia Tolno, an outstanding African singer. They're bringing both projects to the U.S. for shows this summer, starting in mid-June, including stops at the Brooklyn Bowl, the Oregon Country Fair, Sweetwater in Mill Valley, and many, many more. You can check out all the dates at afrodead.com or... As always, head over to the Broke Down Pod blog at broke down podcast dot where you'll also find links to the music that we discussed and playlists for each episode. If you want to get social, I am still on Instagram at Broke Down Pod, and I'm in the Fediverse. People, do you know what that is? I don't know. Um, find me out there though at Road Jimmy at Shakedown dot social. It seems like multiple ats, but they, they they're all there with a reason. So. If you know what the Fediverse is, if you've heard of Mastodon, perhaps, check it out. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty rad. Anyways, uh, also, please consider leaving a review if you are an Apple podcast user. Uh, every now and then I, I take a look at them, and so far, uh, mostly not bad. Uh, so more than just making me feel good, uh, it helps others find the show and grows this little community of ours. So now without any further nonsense, I'm going to play this interview with Aaron Fader, and I will be back after. All right, Aaron, thank you for sitting down to talk with me. Uh, I'm excited to hear about your many projects, but of course, uh, Afro Dead is, I think, maybe top of the list, near the top of the list. Also, your work with Ciotona, which I know interleaves there, and... uh, i'm an afrobeat fan uh i'm not a mega fan i i I owe thanks to my friends maddie and other folks who are big fela fans for hipping Mm -hmm. me to this stuff in general and uh but you know so i have listened to some afrobeat but i'm not a hardcore guy so uh you can educate us about all of that too maybe um so great. Well, yeah,
1: that, yeah. Thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy this worked out through, you know, different circumstances and good luck and and fate and all those great things. So, yeah, it's great Amen. to be here. And I'm always happy to talk about music.
0: Ha. Well, that that is uh, the primary thing we're here for. But, you know, if we get lost on some other tangents, that's acceptable, too. Sure. Um. <laughs> so you are, let's talk about a couple of the big pieces in the room. You are based in Barcelona. I am. So you're from the U.S., I am, um, and so why don't we? S- but but uh, but yeah. Pardon, my mind is kind of jumping around, so I'm going to try to focus <laughs> here. Let's start with like the the headline, which is that you are coming back to the U.S. this summer for a tour with the Afro Dead project and Sia And why don't you, if you could, take this, give us the kind of capsule view of what these two projects are and what folks okay. can look for.
1: Sure. Well, you know the statute of limitations on my crimes has expired, so I can go back to the U.S. <laughs> no, that that's not true. I actually go back two or three times a year. But uh, coming back this summer on tour with these with these two bands, which I'm super excited for, we're doing this weird, unique kind of pseudo musically incestuous tour where it's two bands. It's a it's Afro Dead on the one hand, where we're doing um african uh, reimaginations i guess rearrangement of grateful dead music and the other band is siatolno who is a, a wonderful singer from sierra leone in guinea who lives in france um it's the same musicians in both bands but we will definitely change clothes in nights where we have two shows with the same band in the same venues uh, seriously, we will. I will absolutely. The band is is required to change clothes, even though we'll be playing the same instruments. But they are two separate projects, um, musically related. Uh, in that, it would provide for you know. I I think it's gonna. We're gonna have a great time. I think every night's gonna be tons of fun. People who like Afrobeat um, and African music, I think they're gonna like both. And you know, Deadheads are just kind of like the biggest music fans in the world out there. So I think they're gonna they're going to have a great time too, you know. And we got it's not only suburban white kids in the band, you know. We got Sia who's from that that that's myself <laughs> and a couple others. But we got Sia who's from Sierra Leone and the other guitar player in the band is a guy named Yaya who's from Guinea who is ah, I mean he's he's just a monster monster player. So um it's not just a kind of um, how would you say it? You know, it's not like a third person imagining of the music. Like we're, we're all invested in this style of music and have been for a long time. Cause the, uh, the other musicians in the band with me, there's an American guy named Eric Mills, who's a bass player from, um, San Francisco. Ironically enough, you can actually catch him. <laughs> uh, if this is too much of a plug, I'm sorry, but you can catch him it. on it on a new Amazon Prime comedy special from Alex Borstein, the star of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He is the uh, bass ukulele player in her comedy trio band called the Amster Gang, and they just released like a huge, huge production that they recorded at the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel soundstage in uh, in New York. And it was just released like a week or two ago, and he's really good friends with Alex, who's also the lowest on Family Guy.
2: Wow, so, nice.
1: uh, so yeah, which is random. But the, the, I've been good friends with Eric for a while. We played together in a band called Afri-Kemet here, where the uh, the musical leader is uh, an older guy from Equatorial Guinea, which is not the other Guinea. Equatorial Guinea is the one that was a Spanish colony. Like you know, the more the more time you spend, I mean, we're close to Africa, and the more time you spend, you know, surrounded by. Africans and African musicians you start to really our like European history lessons start to kind of come into focus you start to remember colonization obviously it's never been forgotten by anybody who's experienced it but it all kind of comes into focus for you know flashing back to high school like okay Equatorial Guinea was Spanish etc etc so yeah Eric and I play in this band which is a, a Sukus and high life band then the drummer Tato and our uh, our keyboard player Juan, they play in my Afrobeat band called Alma Afrobeat Ensemble, which is a band that I started in Champaign, Illinois, years and years ago before moving to Barcelona, and then I reformed it out here with other musicians and our singer in that band is from Lagos, Nigeria. So all this to say that, you know, we're we're steeped to a certain degree in the music. And and being in Spain, it's a lot closer, obviously, to Africa, I mean, to to North Africa. But there's a bigger presence of African music here than there is in the U.S.
0: So how did you connect with African music? What led you to it uh, as a young man in Illinois?
1: Um, You know, it's funny. It's actually um, two words. Uh, Bill Cartwright. Do you know who Bill Cartwright was, the center for the Chicago Bulls in the early 90s? He used Not to a play. basketball
0: guy. That's oh, great. Man. Keep going.
1: Well, if you'd grown up in Chicago, you wouldn't have had a choice in the 90s. <laughs> right. But he, I used to work at a record store, actually a record store that that our mutual friend Joel uh, for sure knows in, in Highland Park, Illinois, called CD City. It's now a clothing store for rich teenage girls. So, you know, changed a bit. But Bill Cartwright came in one day and he's this this seven foot one guy who talks kind of funny because he got elbowed in his vocal box when he played for the New York Knicks. So he doesn't sound like he's seven foot one. He sounds much different. But he came in and picked up a bunch of Fela Kuti CDs. Which have just the most amazing covers i don't know if you ever see them the the covers are primarily okay so you know you know that that aesthetic and you know that the dead has their own visual aesthetic which is varied over the years but it's pretty identifiable fela also had that and actually that's from a friend of ours this guy named Lemi garyoku who's a, a visual artist from nigeria who did one of our album covers as well obviously after after fela and stuff but um so Bill Cartwright came in and he picked these up and I'm looking, I'm like, wow, I'm like, this looks really cool. What is this? And he gave me like a quick rundown of Fela. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm like, and I look like a 12 minute long songs, like one or two chords and me as, as a, uh, at that time, an aspiring guitar player, I guess I'm still aspiring to play, but I'm like two chords for 15 minutes. That's amazing. Like I don't have to change anything. And then, you know, you discover Fela's politics and, uh, the revolutionary aspect I'm like Jesus this is like it's it's like Bob Marley mixed with the Grateful Dead mixed with Bob Dylan like this is this is great and from there the more I got into guitar the more I realized the richness of the the use of of the guitar in Africa because what's what's really cool that maybe maybe everybody knows maybe people don't is that so much of modern African music you have modern instruments, you know, modern, um, you know, in print, uh, in quotes, right? In, in scare quotes, I mean, the guitar is not that new, but you know, it's not a drum drums have been around since forever. So many of the instruments in African music are imitating the roles of what a percussive instrument would do before. So when you've got like a guitar going, da, 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 it's really ju- it's it's representing like the the hits maybe a, a conga or a related percussion instrument. So that's what's really cool when you have a totally different approach to an instrument that in the rest of the Western world we kind of have, you know, in in a different way.
0: This is um also akin to like what James Brown did with his big <laughs> JB's. So it's like if you're not playing a lead, you're you're Basically you're a rhythm instrument. You are you're hitting the beat. Are, um,
1: are you thinking of that documentary where they ask him about the instruments? Have you seen uh, that?
0: Probably where that comes from. Yeah. But uh Yeah, I, yeah you know,
1: they they go to him, they go, they point to a snare drum, and they go, What's that? And he goes, It's a drum. And then they point to a guitar. What's that? It's a drum. <laughs> Everything's a goddamn drum.
0: <laughs> exactly. And you know, they um I think the relationship to you know late sixties. James Brown and Fela is very clear, uh, in, and in, in some of their things, you know, Oh, I mean, when it, Fela leaned West, he leaned towards
1: that. I, and I mean, and they, down. they literally met. I mean, that yeah. was, that was the thing that was what took Fela's music from what was previously high life. Um, which is actually a style that we really get into with, with Afro dead, um, kind of surprisingly, because as I was arranging the tunes and deciding what songs we want to do, a whole bunch of them just came out, kind of high life and I'm like, wow, well, this is cool. Because high life, it's a little more chill than um, Afrobeat, the guitar the guitar lines are maybe similar, but um, you know, speaking of James Brown, whenever I'm like, because I do most of the composing for our Afrobeat band and then work on, on lyrics and, and song structure and stuff with our singer, uh, Joe Salmist Olawale. Um, but like on, on, on all my Logic projects, there's what's called the tenor guitar, which is what um m- many African musicians call the staccato Kind of, dun, 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 or like you hear in like Bob Marley, dun, 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 dun. that's the tenor guitar, the roll, not an actual different instrument. And for the other guitar, I always just call it the JB guitar, because it's the James Brown guitar, playing those kind of angular chords, you know, where they hammer on to the, the sixth and then the minor seventh a lot. And I'm like, I mean, I'm sure that's where he got it from, especially because he went and discovered, you know, Black Panthers, Black Power and James Brown, like that was his trip to to L.A.
0: Nice. All connected. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so um at what point did you connect Grateful Dead to this? Like, where did you, so you're, you're playing Afrobeat music, playing high life music, you know, you're learning about all of these forms and performing them and Grateful Dead. I mean, it's not unheard of to inject Grateful Dead into different uh, genres, but uh where, where did you bring them down. um you know it, it wasn't it wasn't that
1: long ago like the idea for the for the project I, I kind of came up with during during COVID well during in the beginnings and the 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 deepest part of COVID so to speak um kind of between that and when I heard about uh uh Angelique uh Angelique Kijo who re-recorded the album remain in light from the talking heads have you heard that album yeah I yeah, have. that's jesus christ for me it's just mind-blowing because talking heads album was great and her version i mean some of those songs are just so deeply funky but yeah. um so during covid i was working together uh with a good friend of mine who i'm still working with in different capacities named matt butler matt is the the conductor and the founder of the everyone orchestra i don't know if you've heard of them oh yeah okay so matt's, matt's a real good friend of mine he's a great drummer um mm-hmm. And i met him because they were doing i guess i there's actually some posts up up there the a, the music never stop poster was a show that he did in barcelona with a bunch of musicians that were doing a residency here that he was organizing like that show had it's again at graham lesh and um like holly bowling and um natalie Cressman has become a good friend of mine yeah you know trey's horn section yeah. natalie jennifer and james and so I started working together with those guys. That was pre-COVID. During COVID, they started doing like a monthly, um, a monthly Zoom phone call, well, Zoom meeting kind of event with musicians and then all like the, the participants or the fans who were who were uh taking part in these excursions that they were doing then. Um Matt's now, he's continuing that his new thing is called musical sojourns, which is super cool. People should definitely go go check that out They'll I'll be in Portugal with them in October in Porto Portugal they come for a week with different musicians you know it's it's been all those from that that you know that that kind of hippie world but for the uh for we're the very familiar
0: with that that world okay
1: here. <laughs> I, I, this this I know <laughs> this I know so for for some of those um those um Zoom meetings like the I was recording videos for them and we were doing remote recordings of songs and with with all those amazing guys, like I did one with Al Schneer, which was we did a, a Tom Petty tune with Al and Jennifer Hartswick. Um, uh, one of the tunes that I did that was super fun that, w- that was just great, it had uh Barry Sless on pedal steel. You know, Barry is uh Bob had, Weirs, had okay. Barry on the
0: show, yeah, he's oh, great. Oh, he did, okay, Jesus yeah. Christ, yeah, yeah. I mean, he,
1: <laughs> he, I hope everybody fully understands what a monster player he is. I mean dal seals kind of a mystery to a lot of people but man he is just I mean he, he's a, he's as good as it gets but so Some we did magic. a oh yeah so we did a version of uh, mother child reunion the Paul Simon tune and then after that I did a um I did a suku's version of Franklin's Tower with um trying to remember who's on with oh with my band Afri Kemet here you know um, from which Eric is in Afro Dead. Uh oh that oh, that had
0: um uh, so I, I actually just Jason watched Jason Crosby that, Yeah, I just watched that video Jason Crosby, I think Alex Coford and Yo oh, Alex, yeah. A bunch of, bunch of great people. Uh, it's yeah. funny, I was watching the video without looking at the the captions, so I didn't see <laughs> beforehand who was on it and uh when Jason Crosby comes on playing, he's wearing his mask. Oh yeah. And and yet I knew immediately. Yeah, it's Jason Crosby. And I had Man. to expand the thing to prove myself right. Um, that that guy, solo, that guy that's really that
1: play. keyboard solo that he plays there is just, you know, like this same thing with Barry Slash. Like for me, the, the sign of a truly great musician. I don't know if it happens for you. It's not like there's people who can play stuff that I can't play. Of course, like all of us come across those people. I'm never as impressed as it is when you hear someone, you, you listen to them playing like, oh, wait, I, I could have played that. I could have played that too and they're like I would never have thought of that idea and that idea and that idea but of course I could now learn it but that's just that being accessible yet unique and original is just and Jason just I mean kills it kills it it drives me great uh Sunshine Becker is on that as well she was saying in further and so from all those videos that I was doing for that organization which at the time was called IGE uh like I kind of came up with this idea and then Sia, I was producing Sia's new album, um, which for now is actually an EP that we're releasing. I think tomorrow, actually, Well, uh, May second, so tomorrow in in real time. And uh, and she had called me to produce this album because she knew Alma Afrobeat Ensemble. We did some a couple of concerts together, kind of during COVID. And then when we got a manager in the U.S., uh, well, when she actually called a manager to to try to manage he called me up and we had a phone call and we discovered our shared history of going from Grateful Dead music to African and, and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, well, I've been thinking about this project. And he's like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I'm like, hey, what if we combine these two things together for a tour? And that's how it all came
0: about. That uh, sounds like a good plan. Um, it, can you tell me more about uh Cietono and her sure. work and you know it's great that you guys uh come together we'll talk a little more after dead too but i, I like let's talk about her uh the ep if you could um we'll make sure everybody gets a link to that um, i've listened to some of it and uh you know it's cool stuff
1: yeah um man so sia god she's amazing um i mean so she was born in sierra leone um kind of fled civil war to Guinea um then uh, after a while she started singing I want to say that her first like live concert she actually did was for a bunch of um like government officials or something totally mind-blowing and nerve-wracking I'm sure and then she won the Pan-African version of the voice or one of those singing shows it wasn't called the voice it might have actually been called the African voice and that got her somehow got her a visa and a trip to um to Europe and then she settled in France and began the next stage of her career began recording in France um her uh, she was eventually signed to the record label loose Africa which was uh it, it still exists but you know since record labels in general unless they're those huge things they aren't what they used to be um business yeah for sure for sure and uh so she but she did get signed to them for a three record deal her last album from them was produced by and played on by Tony Allen who was Fela Kuti's drummer so this is like arguably at least 50 percent of Afrobeat comes from from Tony Allen and so he produced this album for her and she's developed her she has a powerful powerful voice you know that can be at the at the same time um forceful uh and at the same time very intimate and her lyrics and her subject matter is just feminist totally which is amazing uh amazing unto itself but when you put it in the context of coming out of africa and and african women not that there haven't been uh African feminists of course I mean Angelique Joe Miriam Makeba like the the canon of singers is there but this is it's been an even more difficult struggle I think for them because the you know women everywhere have to fight against cultural norms there is no question um I it seemed in Africa it's a little it's a little more deep-seated and it's been a little more difficult and I think it's been great for her to be in uh in france has allowed her to continue her sociopolitical evolution and I, i've come to just call her, she's an uh, an afrobeat feminist you know because she's she's singing afrobeat music which is, which is great and nowadays there are there there's a bunch of women singing afrobeat the the lead singer of my friend's band uh london afrobeat collective from london surprisingly okay. she she's amazingly powerful there's a band from Chile, from Chile called a Newen Afrobeat, which has female lead singers. So this is definitely something that's coming to the forefront, and so uh, a wave of it, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah, for it's sure. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. And then when you hear how good—I mean, especially Sia, she's so talented. Her stage presence is so strong, and uh, and she's really open to all different styles of music um she's open she's not a, a puritan in her tastes um she's always looking to experiment a little bit um you know when i put a little bit of pedal steel on one of her songs she's like oh
0: i love that more pedal steel like, <laughs> great great you don't have to tell me twice love, i love the pedal sure. steel sound so that's yes a, kind of an amazing voice um yeah y- i think it would be Ideal to for us to take a a break and play something from this EP. The EP is called Baya, mm-hmm. and should we play the title track?
1: Sure, yeah, it's cool. You know, it's uh the the title track is a a blues in structure, but it's a kind of Afrobeat blues. And uh, so Baya, the word Baya, and I know this from Sia. I'm not pretending like I knew any of this before. <laughs> Baya uh, refers to the um. The waist beads that many women in Africa, but also around the world wear now, you know, like the thin string of colored beads that, you know, it's like a, yeah. like a waist necklace kind of thing. So and this, this song kind of talks about that.
0: Cool. well, let's uh, play that for everybody right now. awesome track and you know i felt like you know you had done such a great job of you know telling us about her and setting us up i thought we should just go ahead and dive right in and hear a little bit of that um we play some afro dead after this conversation uh there's some you know just great great stuff uh, i i want to swing back to that real quick because um you know before we talked i ran this by one of my friends who is a uh he's my go to on Abeat he's the guy I expect cool. to know about it and uh and he of course has taught me what I know
1: um and is, he, <laughs> is that also
0: Bill Cartwright no <laughs> damn it <laughs> no, no uh another uh great record head shout out Madi um he uh he I so I, I I sent him a couple links and some names and of you guys and you know and and he was I think Surprised a little bit, uh, as I was when I listened to how well the other one works in an Afrobeat and that style. Yeah. Well, we we gotta we gotta clear up something
1: here a little bit, and so this is this is fifty percent me being a well, thirty percent me being a musician, thirty percent me being a white suburban kid, and thirty percent me being a linguist. So. The term Afrobeat these days has really expanded in meaning, and arguably has three different definitions. Right. So first is usually Afrobeats with a with an s or sometimes a, a z if you're being cool at the no, end. Man, never. Cool. Uh, no, me neither. Me neither. That's why I write it with an s. But and that's that's a that's a newer style of music uh popular around the world coming from africa but has much more in common with uh electronic music although its roots are in Afrobeat, but it is not the same as fela's afrobeat and the things that we've been talking about and that's but even even though there's there's tons of crossover and and that music is related that's guys like um p square is a a, a, one of the young guys from nigeria He's, he's probably not even that young anymore um guys that Jay-Z and and people are are collaborating with, but it kind of occupies the role of let's say hip-hop, although of course in Africa hip hop is huge as well. But so so there's Afrobeats, which is that, right? And then there's a lot of us tend to say Afrobeats, and especially people who aren't necessarily in the music world, tend to say Afrobeat to mean um, let's say in that case, maybe you would write it as two different words, like Afrobeat, and that would be the kind of category which really should be afro pop which would be any of the modern styles of of African music that are not 100 traditional of course always based on a tradition of some kind then finally you have afrobeat altogether, sometimes capitalized sometimes not which refers to you know what we know from Tony Allen and Fela Kuti and that's that's like you know when you say reggae people know what reggae is right so afrobeat Generally, the rhythm, you know, it's boom, boom, ta, ta, boom, boom, ta, boom, ta, That's kind of like your your default, you know, Afrobeat rhythm. So that that being said, I'm just as guilty as anybody else at times for the sake of brevity to just say Afrobeat. But um, so not all the tunes that we're doing with Afro dead and even not of all the Sias tunes, are necessarily Afrobeat. Some of them are, but but some are not sorry to interrupt you no long, educate <laughs> and enlighten
0: and clarify and so uh what would you say this is then is there is there a so better?
1: the the other one has that kind of um i mean it, it's the original it, it's kind of really just the same thing that the dead did for that the is, most part. right the but. groove is the same right it, it's a six eight thing um some people call it a mandinga groove it's got a real senegalese feel to it um the different ethnicities from from Senegal, touch from Mali, from uh, from Guinea, have a real similar feel. Like, That's all there, and like, okay. I could pretend, like, okay. pretend like we made some big change for that song. I really don't think we changed anything, like <laughs> <Right. laughs> except you know with with the guitar. The arrangement,
0: the the instrumental performance style is more well, it's different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, the groove is. It's the same thing. I
1: mean, it was, it was super fun. And the first time we sat down to play it, like in a, in a, in a rehearsal, like, oh, this totally works. This is like, it was proof
0: of concept for the band. Right. Oh, nice. Nice. And so have you guys, you've been playing out over there or is this mostly a studio project so far?
1: I mean, so far it really, we, uh, basically we got our manager. Um, I sold him on the idea of the thing then filled out the band with some of the other members we recorded the two live videos a live in studio which i think are the ones you've seen those are the yeah. only recordings that are out so far and uh we haven't done a, a show together our first show is going to be in barcelona two days before we hit the road for two months in the us Wow! but um okay. but if you were to add up the combined hours that all of us have on stage together so there's You know, Eric and I in Africa Met. There's Tato, Juan, and I in Alma Afrobeat. Juan, the piano player, and I play in a Grateful Dead cover band here called uh, The Burning Shore. Uh, Sia has played with Alma Afrobeat. And me, Juan, Tato, and Eric have played with Sia in France and the Netherlands. And Sia and her longtime guitarist, Yaya, have been playing together for six years. So it's one of those things where... The the synergy and the connection is there without ever even having hit the stage together in this
0: format. We have all played together in Sia's band, so so this makes is a, a far cry from a uh, pickup band of strangers. You guys all know each yes. other, play play together, and uh, yes, cool, yeah, very cool. I, I I like groups and you know like the collective energy of folks who you know find new ways to play together and do that stuff for
1: sure i mean you know with with alma afrobeat it's been together for like i don't know maybe going on 20 years uh, with tons of different people because it's an even bigger band and people are always coming in and out but after a while i guess kind of getting back to the basketball analogy i know you said you're not a basketball fan but (laughs) You know like you you got the the nba draft you know what that is right you know like every every year like the the teams they select um players from college and international so i guess it used to be that they would they decided okay for next year we need a person at this position so we're going to select for this position that would be the equivalent of you start a band and you look for that instrument Then over the years after, you know, bust after bust and people who just don't pan out and whatever, NBA executives started to think like, hey, you know, maybe we should just go for the best player and person available. And when you're putting together a band for me, I've totally swung around to that philosophy. Take the best person, the person whose personality fits most with the band, and then make the music work with whatever instrument. They play, which is why Alma Afrobeat had a bassoon player for eight years <laughs> or ten years. Which is on a big stage, it's kind of the most useless instrument in the world. It sounds beautiful, but it it doesn't project any further than a ukulele. You know, right? But yeah, so, I so people that idea make
0: ukuleles work on stage. I think I yeah. put an unnecessary s on the end there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so for sure. you know, and sometimes it's the right sound. So. oh oh and the sound was amazing it's just yeah. it, it's always
1: complicated because the the output of a, of a bassoon is so low you got to put a pickup into it and you gotta have tons of of stage monitors blowing in your face unlike a trumpet where yeah.
0: you know you can hear that guy
1: exactly you know but but all that to say that you know for me to if I'm starting a project or especially going on the road with the project number one is that everybody's got to uh Everybody's got to be cool, man. I think it was, a, it was an interview with—is is Ramrod the one who talks kind of funny? You know, Ramrod from the the Dead's uh, Roadie. He's one of the classic Roadies. Uh,
0: you thinking maybe Big Steve? Or Steve, the Parrish. Show? Steve Parrish. Steve Parrish. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was either Steve or Ram. Maybe it was Steve, where where like a, a caller. It must have been Steve on his, yeah. on his show, where a caller was like, "Hey, you know, in the '80s, why didn't you guys get like one of those famous keyboard players or whatever?" And he, and he answers like, well, you know, man, like, you know, those guys, they just they just couldn't hang, man. And it's all about the hang. And it was
0: it was yeah. so true. It's totally true. And, you know, they, I guess, I, 80s are probably talking about when Brent came in in 79 or whatever. Yeah, And like, exactly. Brent had played with uh, Bobby, and so Bobby knew he was okay, you know, and he'd been around a little bit. And they're like, this guy's all right. Yeah, let's bring <laughs> exactly. him in. He'd be cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know,
1: like. Yeah. If you're going to be sitting in a van, I mean, for the dead was one thing, but like when you're, you know, at the level we're at, you're sitting in a van with people, you're sharing hotel rooms with people,
2: yep.
1: you know, you either got to get along or take someone with whom you don't share a common language, which is what we do <laughs> with people.
0: <laughs> that way you can always mutter something. Exactly. Uh, nice, nice. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you want to spend time on it, but I know you've got uh, some other projects. And I'm curious about uh, one. You mentioned that you play in a an Americana band, too. And you're a, like a multi-instrumentalist. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm seeing guitar, bass. I know there's a pedal steel hidden oh, from yeah. you in there. And uh, like, so I want to talk a little bit about more about your background, if we could. And then sure. we can... We can dial up to the americana band something that's you know keys to my interest as well um when did you start playing music like how um let's see I, you know my mom signed me up
1: for uh for piano lessons as so many kids you know get signed up for maybe i was like I don't know, six or seven or maybe eight or nine but one did of those things were no not at all because like you know what the fuck are you teaching a nine-year-old kid classical music for not that there aren't nine-year-olds who don't enjoy classical music i was definitely not one of those kids there's no reason my parents would have thought i would be one of those kids especially when you know i grew up listening to crosby stills and nash records and beatles records and stones records if you had given me a modern piano teacher to show me fun stuff maybe piano would have taken
0: teach him woogie woogie come on
1: exactly Um. (laughs) you know but i you know then i switched to guitar maybe when i was 12 and like went through a bunch of different teachers that you know uh i never really thought influenced me because i never really found that one person to really that really kind of taught me deeply until maybe until when i was an undergrad and, and had this guy named brian wilkie in Champaign urbana who's a monster player who uh used to live in nashville and he played pedal steel also and uh and these kind of things but you know, I picked up a little bit from all the different people. I remember there was a, a lady, you know, like a 50-year-old lady. I would go to her house. She taught me finger picking, which I didn't think about until like years later, like somebody I was giving classes to is like, I can't finger pick at all. I'm like, what do you mean you can't fingerpick? You just go like this. And I'm like, oh, I learned how to fingerpick. I forgot, do you know, it's just... Right those things where you you spend so much time or so such a long part of your life doing things and you kind of forget the, the origin story, so to speak, you know? So yeah, I started, started guitar at like 12, you know, and just, just kind of kept plugging away, got serious in college, you know, and got even more serious in graduate school and, uh, and just kept doing it. You know, I picked up, picked up bass with that, that same CD store that I mentioned to you, I would still work there in the, in the summers, and the guy who owned it, uh, Steve, Steve Kessler, who is still around, he's still playing music, an older guy, older than, than us. Um, he hired me one summer to play bass in his like old man rock band. And like I had a month to learn 100 tunes. Okay. And like I'd, I'd always, and in fact, the first time I ever played a bass, I rented a bass for a week so I could learn the wheel from the dead.
2: Because
1: uh. that tune was just, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like this tune is the most beautiful thing in the world. And then, uh, you know, learned a hundred tunes with Steve, everything from like Tears of a Clown to, I don't know, Lean on Me. And, and as soon as you get the right hand, as soon as you get your fingers moving on the right hand, the rest of it's, you know, it all kinds of falls into place, you know?
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a uh, crash course though, learning old <laughs> yes. rock and roll, like in Motown hits and all yeah. of those kinds of things. I mean, you're picking up Wrecking Crew moves. and For you, sure. You can, do that or at least something close to it close enough for rock and roll as they say well you know Uh, I think the key was I was filling in
1: in a band that already existed and the drummer was pretty good so I didn't have to go through those growing pains like if you start playing bass in high school with a drummer who's just starting at the same time you know you're pushing and pulling against each other for a long time but when you just step into a situation I'm like okay great I just as long as I like I just got to follow the drummer follow that guy yeah exactly you know, and I think that makes a big difference. That's you know that that's it makes it a lot easier for you. It opens doors and it allows you to gain your confidence a lot quicker, which as we know is really important in in everything, but especially in music,
0: half the battle, probably, yeah, um, and then yeah, um, that yeah. getting those lessons early and then like. And not thinking they matter, <laughs> it's, it's actually yeah. kind of a secret weapon, right? So For I, sure. I, I, I played in in band in like uh, like sixth through eighth grade. Sure. And oh, were played, you weren't I, playing guitar, were you? No, I played the flute, and okay. I was not good at it. I was just fine, and they weren't. And it was at a level where they weren't going to kick me out of band or anything. Um, <laughs> but it's, we had it's good a, to be in
1: a band that you can't get kicked out of.
0: Right. That's always good. Um, but we had like an instructor who like he had for many years been a high school instructor and in the army, I think it was the army, he had been in doing band stuff there too. And so he was he was serious and he could play every instrument, at least wow. a little enough to get us started, and then say sure. go take private lessons and come back. And you know, and uh but also he knew theory. Yeah. And we would once a week move into the adjacent classroom which was a lecture hall where he had the staff lines up and he would teach us theory and teach us the circle of fifths and all of that stuff which i hated learning yeah 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 but now i'm like why do i know that oh yeah thank you mr cooper
1: yeah um you know there's where my my where my my studies as a linguist kick in as well i object to the word theory it's not theoretical it's oh, practical fix. god damn it that's the problem like you, <laughs> you tell kids it's theoretical and their ma- their mind turns off well you know? but you
0: don't want to tell them it's math because then you're no no
1: no no but you say this is this is what you need to know to tell other people what to do <laughs> you know like that's great you know so it's uh but it, it is just great when you when you come to that realization that you have all this knowledge that you don't remember getting that, right. that's a really nice That's a nice feeling
0: yeah and it, it pays off so uh you know force your kids into music lessons but only gently
1: only gently <laughs> and make sure make sure they're doing something that they're interested in. i mean jesus christ every good teacher should know that you you need to find a way to make it interesting for the student it doesn't mean you have to give into their every wish but like right. you know man keep their, keep them interested otherwise like the door is just closing They. You know, in, in language teaching and in education, they call it the affective filter that happens when you get nervous, stressed. it goes, that goes up and nothing gets through that. You get people relaxed, having fun, laughing, enjoying themselves. Everything
0: goes through everything, you know? Nice. So uh, I want to ask you also about Grateful Dead. So you mentioned that, you know, you came to like this project as a, previously deadhead it's not like you came in sure. cold so where did you get hip to the Grateful Dead man
1: I think my parents deny this but and I haven't had a chance to go through their record collection and prove them wrong but I am sure that they have Europe 72 on vinyl and I remember the first time I saw the I don't even know what's the inside circle of a record call in Spanish it's called the galleta, the cookie. Um uh, you know the paper label it's the
0: label yeah, the, no, no cooler yeah. name for it, is there center label that's what yeah. i yeah okay well I'm gonna call it the cookie because in <laughs> Spanish I should
1: do it. it's a lot cooler that's cool so i I just remember seeing it there and seeing it cosmicmic like, okay, that's that's kind of weird. and then I remember putting on the album and again, I wasn't four. I was probably you know fourteen or something. Sure. I remember putting it on and I just remember hearing, uh, how do we say it in english sepia is that how you pronounce the color sepia sepia yeah like the sepia. the color of wild west photos you know <laughs> i just remember i remember hearing jack straw and i remember hearing brown-eyed women i mean it was absolutely europe 72 this is 100 percent true I, I think they just forgot that they have it because they're not <laughs> they're you know old old hippie music fans but not necessarily deadheads. Fair. i remember hearing that and i remember being like what i don't like is this isn't rock like this is like what is this thing and uh and that was you know when I was maybe just getting into my teenage years and then when I was I guess 16 I had tickets to go see Pearl Jam so this would have been at 94. no maybe I was older maybe I was 17. so 1994 I had tickets to go see Pearl Jam and I was really excited because that was kind of my rock and roll world ironically enough that they turned out to kind of be deadheads and they're in the extended dead family and have a great relationship with the, with the dead but uh and then somehow i got it in my head i found a way to trade my pearl jam tickets for two tickets to see the dead at rosemont horizon um in march 94 would have been around my birthday i guess so i was about to turn 18 and i went there and really like i don't know 10th or 15th row off to the side off to uh let's see god I can't remember whose side it is, but in the 90s it must have been yeah, looking at the stage, was Vince on the right? Vince was on the right. Yeah. So it was the on, to the left. Yeah. So it was uh, it was on Vince's side. And man, they opened with Jack Straw. I'm like, well, Jesus, like I'm in. Like I'm I'm addicted now. And they played nice. the first uh, first dark star in Chicago and however long. And you know, it's great to be able to go back and, and listen to them now, you know, on on ReListenerArchive.org. You know what? Mm-hmm. I went back and listened to the show. It's not terrible, you know?
0: And it's definitely got some magical moments that still hold up. So it kind of, I felt validated. I saw them on that tour. I guess it was probably right after that, because I saw them at um, uh, Richfield, Ohio. And, okay. Uh, indoors, right? So yeah, this was indoors, the, yeah, the winter. Tour. Yeah, spring. Yeah. And it was cold. Um, it was real cold. And we had a window out in the car and I had an air infection. It was awesome. But <laughs> they played, uh, like, it was great shows. We had a lot of fun. Love Light, Stella Blue, Love Light in one of those nights, and uh, which was absolutely uh, magical, yeah. intense, yeah, yeah. great great music. Um, yeah, the Atlanta show got the final Dark Star on that tour. Oh, nice. Um, nice. Yeah, cool yeah, stuff. Yeah,
2: so
0: that was uh, – was fir- were those your first shows
1: or no? No, I'd been seeing them for a couple of years, so. Okay, And yeah, so that was, you know, that turned me on and like through, you know, like when it, when, at least the way I, I remember the nineties is things split up into fish and widespread panic. I stayed with widespread panic. A lot of my friends at, at U of I in Illinois went with fish and, uh,
0: you know, so we would go see panic once Jerry was gone. We would go see panic all over the place. That's funny. You know, I, um, you were talking about trading a ticket. I once in spring it was also spring of 94 Mm -hmm. i traded i had tickets to see fish which would have been my first fish show uh in virginia and i traded them to i sold them to a friend because i didn't have very much cash and i i just found a show i wanted to go see more and i so i met him in front of a a ticket outlet place (laughs) here's your ticket he gave me the money i walked over and i bought tickets to see the band in dc oh nice uh you know this is what we do um, yeah, yeah. I, th- that I think the band opened for
1: the dead at Soldier Field at one of the shows 95. I saw. That yeah, was definitely yeah, the show, band so. without, with Robbie Robertson. With no, him, it was without, without yeah. They, was without, so they right? came
0: back in, they had done some things on and off in the 80s, yeah. but in 90, might have been late 93, but at when I saw them in spring 94, they were touring behind a, a record called Jericho okay that's the right title and did they, they, it was did they replace robbie with someone or no yeah they had know. hired a couple of guys because they had also richard Manuel had passed as well by that <laughs> that's time. that's right okay and um so they had like uh richard bell on piano who i think it was in the he played for janice in like the full tilt boogie band you know, oh wow around. um yeah good good players it was a good good time and uh yeah good time to see huh. those guys
1: if yeah you and then Traffic opened at another one of the shows that I saw. Traffic in opened ninety four. Ninety four would have been okay. That would have been summer ninety four. Yeah, that was that was pretty good too. And I guess that that was with
0: Stevie Winwood, right? Yes, that was with okay. The whole, yeah, the whole crew It was pretty good. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, I yeah, yeah. The traffic set in, at RFK. I yeah, went to we went to Highgate that summer in ninety four, and it was You mm-hmm. So Endure opened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Finally, there's the
1: African crossover into the dead
0: that I've been looking for, for Christ's sake. And, and Phil, I believe, was the one who made that connection and was like, we should get this guy to open the show uh, that Traffic Can't Make uh, because it's in a freaking field in, <laughs> <Yeah>. in Vermont. <laughs> yes.
1: um, and you, you so endure, um I want to say he's the minister of culture now for... Uh, is he from Mali? um I, I think i think he's the one that i'm thinking about one of those guys yeah That's oh awesome. no sorry he's from senegal he's the minister senegal. of
0: tourism for senegal That's i wasn't right. gonna guess because i had got it wrong so thank yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> i
1: think in.
0: um
1: but yeah but yeah man, so, so you know that i got into the dead in the 90s and like you know played in in college never played in a dead band the first dead band. That I ever played in is the one that I started in Barcelona three years ago, the Burning Shore. Up till then, I, you know, I just kind of put it in my mind. I'm like, I'm not going to be one of those guys. And there's no value judgment. It's just what I was saying to myself. I'm not one of those guys who's going to play in a dead cover band. Maybe because I hadn't put in the work to do any of it the way I should. You know, uh,
0: you know. But well, then... there's there's a question. Like, are you in a band that? recreates Grateful Dead music, or are you in a band that plays Grateful Dead music or interprets Grateful Dead music? Which, sure. You know, well, I, I guess... Afro Dead does the latter, right? Interpreting For sure. Grateful Dead music.
1: And and Burning Shore, we just do whatever the hell I want us to do. Like the other people in the band, now they've, they've become deadheads, but none of them really knew the Grateful Dead at all. And there's no other Americans in, in that band, you know? And it was kind of like... I was like, well, you know, I play in seven different projects. I think I've I've earned the right to start a dead band. Oh,
2: <laughs> and I God. met
1: and I became really good friends with my Betty with my buddy Matt Boder from Duluth, Minnesota. Shout out to Matt who lives in Barcelona and owns the uh, Black Lab Brewery. He makes the best beer in Barcelona, perhaps yeah. in Spain. And it's a it's a hundred person music venue also, and that's where we've been doing. Well, I've been putting on for the last year. Year and a half, these are Grateful Nights, like great, a monthly Grateful Dead related show, which is kind of my chance to play with different musicians, organizing different stuff. And uh, and Matt's a deadhead, you know, um, he loves the band also, loves just, nice. you know, just a guy with great taste in music. And he's let us do this there, uh, you know, every month. And uh, for, yeah, I don't know, it's been 12, 14 months. So for any deadheads that are coming through Barcelona, they should absolutely. Well, first of all, if a deadhead is coming to Barcelona, they want to look me up on Facebook or whatever. They're absolutely welcome to. We nice. can show them around. You know, look up the Burning Shore and uh, and Black Lab Brewery, which is just a just a friendly place.
0: Cool. Is there much of a dead scene in Barcelona that you have found now that you're doing these shows? And I think we found. I think we found all birds? of
1: them. We found okay. like the 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 seventy five or hundred people that we get out there. Is uh, you know. It's exactly the same as it would be in the U.S., just a lot less people. We got people, you know, the only time. OK, trivia question. Yeah. What was the only time and where did the Grateful Dead play in Spain? Oh, uh, what year and what city?
0: Did they play in the 80s tour. Is that when they were there? Uh 1980 in Barcelona. Yeah. There you
1: go. Yeah, because Europe 72, definitely not because there There's was a fasc- fascist dictator here in Spain. and uh so there's guys who come to our show who were at the the 1980 show and uh, in barcelona and then there's a couple there's literally a couple (laughs) a guy and a girl who are like i always say that they're 20 but i think they're 25 by now and they always get the prize for youngest people um at our shows and they come man they're from here they work in the in the film industry editing and things like that and they know just as much about the dead as any older head and is any American head. And You're it's right so up. funny. I, I asked them before, I'm, I'm like, all right, guys, so if you could hear one song, one song, if you want us to play one song, cause they come to every show, every show that we do, which, you know, it isn't that often, but I, you know, I asked them, what song do you want? They answered, of all things, they beat it on down the line, <laughs> which is a
0: fun ass I, I love
1: <laughs> it. A super fun song, but like, I'm like, really? I'm like, you're not going to say like Terrapin or like something horribly annoying and difficult to learn. Like, no, no. Beat it on down the line. Like, (laughs) all right, We can fake that. Exactly. (laughs) We had a gig uh, last Saturday and uh, we had it there on the encore and they were at the show and we ran out of time and we couldn't do it for them, but I went out and bought them a couple of beers after the show and told them about it. So they forgave us, I think. Right
0: on. Nice. Well, um. You know, I uh, let's see. What have I? Oh, you! Uh, I mentioned your Americana uh, uh, yeah. band, but I didn't get the name of it. And uh, tell us, tell us about that really quick. Sure. Well, I actually now I'm,
1: I'm actually playing in a couple of Americana bands. Um, so the one I think you're talking about, we actually had a recording session at my studio uh, this morning. I have, a, I have a full studio here in the city, small, you know, European size, but. But yeah. fun and, and well-equipped. And I just got a brand new Leslie speaker for my, I have a, a fake Hammond. And I, yeah, I picked it up on Saturday, rented a van to go pick it up. Very happy with that. But um, so that band is called Blue Room Mess. It's, uh, the name existed before I joined the band. It's blue <laughs> plus room plus mess all together. And uh, the the artistic leaders of that band is a lady named Paola and a guy named Juanma. And we're recording our third album now. And that's like bluesy Americana E. They're also in Burning Shore as well. Oh, cool. And the drummer from that band is also in Burning Shore. So it's another one of those incestuous things. But um, I've also started to play with some other guys here, a band called Slim Jim and the Redeemers, which is an amazing name for a band. It's this a great guy, Ke- Yeah, this guy, Kevin, who's from the U.S. And he kind of writes... Uh, Nick between Nick Cave, Tom Waits, country, Johnny Paycheck, like kind of things. and so I've been gigging with him a bunch lately cool. and uh and a good friend of mine uh, whose artistic name is Barco Waltz who kind of writes like the band kind of music, like uh, like the band, the band. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah, so there there is an Americana scene here. Sometimes it's American, sometimes it's not, but there's a couple of small venues that are they are keeping it alive. And like with Pedal Steel, I got got a lot of gigs, like, I don't know, <laughs> one or two gigs a week, at least on Pedal Steel, which is, which is nice because all I want to do kind of is play Pedal Steel.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, Aaron, uh, I, I want to thank you for sitting down and talking to me. We'll make sure that the tour dates are up on the blog and we'll put up links so everybody can find you and find the music and Go out and see you when you're here awesome. in the states, and you know, thank you, Jonathan. People are in Barcelona, to look you up there, and absolutely. Um, oh, and it's related to that. Can I just say one thing? Shoot, so my
1: my longtime romantic partner and I here, she's from here. We have we have one pet peeve, and again, it's getting back to being a linguist and and kind of a dick. Um, when in American movies and TV shows they say Barcelona because I know they're making reference to that in Spain, like the C in between vowels and the Z is said like a th. but in Barcelona, the language is Catalan, the first language, and they don't say Barcelona. So if one thing, no, no, you did not at all. You did not, (laughs) I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking in in this tone of voice if you had, I'd be a lot nicer. But if anybody gets anything from this, from this interview and conversation, don't say Barcelona, it's Barcelona. Just like in English, it's pronounced exactly the same in Kapua.
0: So that's my message. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Um- Thank you.
3: It's hey It and exploded left the ball
0: The other one as performed by Afro Dead. More from them, including all of those important tour dates, are at Afro Also, you can find Sia Tolno. You heard her song Baya in the middle there. You can find all kinds of info on her at Sia Tolno.com. That's S I A T O L N O. Again, the links are on my blog, Broke Down Go find Sia and Aaron and their crew on the road all over the country next month. Now it's Grateful Dead time. Okay, Uh, Aaron spoke about the Rosemont shows from Spring 94, so I decided to take us there. I won't talk too much about them because we talked about them a little earlier. Uh, Not a bad tour for late 90s, well, late era dead, right? So, uh, Jerry had a, you know, I don't know. I felt like that tour was, um, like a lot of 94 stuff easily dismissed, but there's good stuff. There's really good stuff. And then there's just some kind of good stuff and whatever. We've got a mix of material from the three nights in Rosemont. Uh, we got some fun stuff, got some weird stuff. You know, I love it all and I hope you do too. I've had a pretty good run of episodes uh, coming out in the past couple months. So let me warn you now, I'm going to be taking a little break, just a tiny break. Uh, Hopefully we'll be back with something soon for you in about a month, maybe a little more. But your host needs his downtime. So I will return with a full report as soon as I can. Hopefully good guests and all kinds of other fun stuff. Until then, be well.
3: Why
2: we can share what we got to use cuz we don't share all of the love
3: Keep on rolling, just a mile
4: Outside the fence, took his rings for bucks and change. Ain't that heaven sent? Burns my ears to
3: listen. Shining, and burns my eyes to see. Cut down the man in cold blood. might as well bring me. Day of July
2: Sun's so hot, clouds so low The eagles fill the sky Catch a Detroit, lightning out of Santa Fe Great Northern, out of Cheyenne From sea to shining sea
4: Hudson, first train we can ride. Gotta settle one old so what's more for the pride?
3: Ain't no place cementing hot, we'll keep it from the sun. Ain't no bed can give us rest now, and keep us
2: on the run.
3: the clouds roll by. I look to see eternity, the endless rolling sky, rolling sky. You cannot think of eternity, think of it in time.
2: You try to think
3: the world think our defeat, think that we are gone. We'll still have our place of peace, our love later on. Will it later on. We won't care just what you say, if it's truth or Love on every Love on every love on every love on every, love on every love on every never never die never
2: never, die. never, never die.
3: Sweet.
4: take this trip.
3: lady come to me she lays on me this road. the rainbow spiral around and round it and chamber then explode you let the smoking crater of my mind I like to pull away for the heat come round and busted me for smiling Escaping through the little field, I came across an empty space. The rainbow then exploded, let lit the bus stop in its place. The bus come by and I got on, let's win it all again. No one's at the wheel, the bus to never, ever land.
4: I guess it doesn't matter anyway. I guess it doesn't matter anyway. Yes, it does.
2: Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank mm-hmm. you.